Welcome to Together, Sharing This Resurrection Life. This is a podcast with sermon series for our small group discussion. After you have your small group discussion, be sure to check out the show notes and use that link in the show notes to submit your attendance and any questions to me, Pastor Haig, and I'll follow up with you personally. Now, come join this resurrection life together. This particular sermon series is from Pastor Jonathan Borman at Peace in Aiken, South Carolina. Be sure to check out the show notes, and this sermon series is entitled Master Money, Learning with Jesus to Handle Money Before Money Handles You. We're going to hear a teaching from Jesus, and uh, we love Jesus here at Peace. One of the ways we express that is to honor him by standing. Please stand out of respect for the words and works of Jesus. This is his teaching. He's our God. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. This is a teaching from Luke chapter 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the gospel of our Lord. Go ahead and be seated. I think that (laughs) we have a problem with Zacchaeus. I've thought that for a few weeks now. Uh, I thought about it first because Zacchaeus always makes me think of that VBS song. You know the one I'm talking about? (laughs) Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. See? Now you're going to be thinking about it the whole rest of the sermon. (laughs) And it's a song that's all about Zacchaeus' size. Poor Zacchaeus. I think that it was a tall person who wrote the song. (laughs) And it belittles him. It belittles him. Poor Zacchaeus. The thought really got to me when I was reading devotions. We have devotions every night my daughter and I do and we have about eight to ten children's bibles and we start one and then we finish it and then we go through them and then we start all again well there's one children's bible storybook that we're never going to read again I promise you we're not you know sometimes children bible storybook artists are a little bit off their rocker and we had one of those and it looked like all the characters had had just a little bit too much helium for breakfast, and we kind of got past that, you know, the buggy eyes, the weird faces, until we got to Zacchaeus. So we're reading the story of Zacchaeus, and my daughter breaks out laughing. 
And she says, Daddy, Zacchaeus has got a boat beard. And sure enough, he had this beard that went straight out like this, and he looked like he was wearing Noah's Ark on his face. And all of us, Melanie was there too, my wife, and we start laughing like you could throw Zacchaeus in the Atlantic Ocean and we were pretty sure that he was going to float. And it made me stop and think, you know, poor Zacchaeus. I'm worried my daughter, the only thing she's going to remember about him is that Zacchaeus has got a boat beard. We're singing goofy VBS songs about him. Poor Zacchaeus. We can think far too little of him. See, Luke thinks he's a big deal. Luke says that he lived in Jericho. Jericho was a major custom station in the Roman Empire. And Zacchaeus is a big deal there. You know, it, 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 it says, Luke says that he's not just a tax collector there. He's like the tax collector there. He's not just this guy who takes in tariff and assesses taxes. He's actually like a treasury official of sorts. We're told that he is the chief tax collector. He's a very big deal. He would have been a very big deal for Rome. How did Rome keep down the colonies in their empire? Well, they'd leech all their money away. How did they leech all their money away? Well, they taxed them to death. How did they tax him to death? Zacchaeus. See, Zacchaeus was a very big deal, and apparently he was very good at his job because he was the chief tax collector in Jericho. He was a very, very important man. So if we're going to think of him as a short guy, we should at least do him the honor of thinking of him a little bit like Napoleon. It's a very, very big deal. Which is why Rome took care of him. Of course Rome took care of him. Rome would have had to take care of him because nobody else was going to do it. That was part of the deal. If you played a part in oppressing your own country people who would then despise you and think of you as the chief of sinners, then you should at least get a little compensation for it. You should at least be able to, when you assess the taxes and you assess the tariffs, take a little off the top for yourself. So this is why Zacchaeus is such a big deal. See, this was a man who went all in on money. He traded every single one of his relationships for what? Money. And so Luke thinks he's the biggest of deals, a model, a paradigm for all of us. This is what your life is going to look like when you go all in on money. See, we don't want to think too little of Zacchaeus. We want to learn his lessons. What's one lesson you can learn from him? Well, you can learn from him this. Money's not going to do it for you. It's not going to do it for you. You know, don't, don't think too little of Zacchaeus. Don't, so many people spend their whole lives trying to make money. They think money's going to do it for them. Money's not going to do it for you. Take it from the guy who had tons of it. <laughs> I mean, he committed his life to money, and he was very successful at making money. This was a very, very, very wealthy man, and it didn't make him happy. It made him miserable. Take it from Zacchaeus. Spend your life trying to make money. Your kids will barely know who you are. Spend your life trying to control money. You're not going to be married very long. Right? The love of money is going to ruin your life. 
Take it from Zacchaeus. Money's not going to do it for you. It's only going to make you miserable. Look at how miserable he is. He's so desperate. Think of what he does here. He climbs a tree. It's like he reverts to his childhood. He climbs a tree. This is how miserable. This is how desperate he is. Can you imagine? I'm just imagining this in my head. You know, the people in the crowd, dude, you know, dude really took, he, he like, he really soaked me last year in taxes. He went way above and beyond. Guy stole from me like a thousand bucks. The people who are in the crowd, they're rubbing each other. Do you see that guy? He's, he's so shameful. He's so despised. Look at him up in the tree. Look at where it got him. Can you imagine what the crowd was saying? See, Zacchaeus was desperate. He didn't care. He was going to climb a tree. Money had left him with such a hole in his heart, such a hole in his life that he was going to do anything, anything at all, just to see if Jesus could be the one to fill a hole. Money's not going to do it for you. Money's just going to make you desperate. That's one lesson we can learn. How about this one? Don't let anything stop you from seeing Jesus. He could have walked away. Could have, right? He was a short guy, right? That's why Luke told you he was a short guy, because he could have walked away. He could have seen the crowd and said, you know what, it's too hard, I'm not going to do it, I'm going to walk away. Don't let anything stop you from seeing Jesus. Jesus. You know, if there's one thing <laughs> we learn from this, right? If there's one thing that's going to make you walk away from seeing Jesus, you know what it probably is? The crowd around Jesus. All right, Zacchaeus had it, had it. Climb a tree, see past the crowd. You probably do too. You know, your parents, your church of your past taught you a certain thing about Jesus, gave you a super distorted view of who Jesus is. You have to see past the crowd to see Jesus. Or how about when you come to a new church? You know, Jesus has shaken your tree, so to speak. You're trying out a new church. What happens when you, when you get there? You know what happens when you get there? You're going to see there's, gonna, there's a crowd around Jesus. And you know what? They might be something that you have to see past. You know, I think about this as a, as a pastor all the time. When somebody comes and they're seeking Jesus, there's, it's almost like sometimes you can't win. You know, like when there's a new person, they, they come. And some people, like, they come and they're seeking Jesus. And they don't want to talk. You know, they don't want to talk. They're just there for Jesus. They, they want to be a fly in the wall. If you talk to them, then they're not going to come back. <laughs> and then some people, you talk to them, and they, or, or you, you know, you're kind of reserved, and you don't want to talk to them, and you want to give them their space or whatever. And then you talk to them, or they walk away, and they say, you know what? They didn't talk to me enough. And so it's like you can't, you can't win sometimes. You know, you try, but you know what? Here's the thing about the crowd around Jesus is they're all kind of a mess. They're all kind of a mess. Like, they can't meet your needs. They might talk to you when you don't want to be talked to, or they don't talk to you when they should, and they can't meet your needs. And, and that's the thing about the crowd around Jesus. So if you're seeking Jesus today and he's shaking your tree, let me ask you something. What did you think was going to happen when you got to the crowd around Jesus? What did you think? They're probably going to get in your way. And do you know what you need to do? Climb a tree. (laughs) 
<laughs> right? Do what you have to do to get a clearer view of Jesus. You have to find a position where you can see past the crowd. Don't come to church and think, you know what, I want to, if they talk to me, I'm not going to come back. Or if they don't talk to me enough, I'm not going to come back. Who cares about the crowd? The crowd's a mess. They are around Jesus because they need Jesus. Don't come for the crowd. Come for Jesus. Look past the crowd, climb a tree, and get a view of Jesus. See, don't think too little of Zacchaeus. There's so much you can learn from him. And then, don't think too little of Jesus when you spot him. That's the second problem, right? You can think too little of Zacchaeus and you can think too little of Jesus also. A lot of people do that with this story. They, they look at Zacchaeus and they make such a big deal of Zacchaeus and his seeking of Jesus that they mess up the story. See, the story's not about how Zacchaeus sought Jesus. The story's finally about how Jesus sought Zacchaeus. What's the, last, what's the last word in the verse? What does Jesus say? The Son of Man came to seek. See, who's doing the seeking? Jesus is doing the seeking. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. It wasn't Zacchaeus who sought Jesus. It was Jesus who sought Zacchaeus. See, or let me put it another way. It's not Zacchaeus who invited Jesus in. It's Jesus who invited himself in. <laughs> that's how salvation works, actually. We get a little uncomfortable with that because that's not how relationships normally work. Like if somebody came up to you after church today and say, I'm coming over to your house today, they'd be like, no, you'd be like, no, you're not. <laughs> there's, there's boundaries, right? There's relational boundaries. This is how that works. See, but, see, but Jesus, it doesn't really work that way because with Jesus, there's, there's a throne in your heart that is built for him. So he's not, he's not crossing any boundaries. He's not supposed to be crossing. The thing was built for him in the, in the first place. So when something else gets slotted into his throne, and then he walks up and he says, you know what, I'm coming in and I'm sitting in my chair. See, that's how salvation works. Jesus invites himself into your life and into your heart through the gospel. Look what he said. This is exactly what Jesus said. He said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must. See, this is, I'm, this is happening. Zacchaeus, I must stay at your house today. See, Zacchaeus didn't invite him in. Jesus invited himself in. He said that had to happen. He said it must. Must is a pretty big word for Jesus. In the Gospels, you know when else he uses that word must? When he's talking about his cross. I must suffer. I must die. This is going to happen. Jesus uses the word must only when he's talking about something that has been pre-planned. Could it be that in Zacchaeus' seeking... Jesus was seeking Zacchaeus. Don't think too little of Jesus. Could it be that you have a beautiful retirement, but your heart longs for more? 
could it be that Jesus is working that in you? Could it be that you are shaking the tree, your tree has been shaken so much that you're trying out a new church because you want to get a better view of Jesus? Could it be that in your seeking, Jesus is seeking you? Could it be that he has planted a desperation in your soul so that he can be the one to meet it? Could it be that in your seeking, Jesus is seeking you? Could it be? Don't think too little of Jesus. See, this is how it works so often, right? When Jesus spots something that is in his his throne, in his space, in your heart, do you know what he does with it? He unseats it. He's going to work to unseat it. He's not going to let it be that way. He's going to work to unseat it. And so what he does with the idol is he makes you desperate. And if we can learn anything from this story, a lot of times it's money. You know, money has very godlike properties, if you think about it. Money is a religious system for some people. You can tell because they'll say things like this they've been successful. As if money is a standard of morality, they've been successful. That's how I know I'm a good person. I got lots of money. It's religious. For some people, as godlike properties. Sometimes people think of money as a thing that secures them. I got enough money, I'll get the right doctors, I'll be fine in my life. I guess we'll see. Or, or sometimes people look at money as a thing that has promises for their future, right? If I have just have enough money, I can retire in Tahiti and like under a palm tree and life's gonna be great and I'll have pina coladas after work or whatever. Like it makes promises. To you, it's very religious for people, if you think about it. And so what does Jesus do? He moves the idol out. I was thinking about this um, a couple weeks ago. I was sitting in an ER, and there was nothing money could do. Not a thing. I could have went up to the receptionist with $100 bills. I wouldn't have done anything. See, there are situations that God places you in in life so that you get it. Money can't resurrect me from the dead. Money can't forgive my sins. Money can't ultimately secure my future. Jesus puts desperation in your life so that in your seeking, he is seeking you just so that after your tree has been shaken, he can get to the bottom of the tree, look up into it, and say, I love you and accept you, and I'm going to save you even though you don't deserve it. I love you. Don't think too little of Jesus. He's seeking your heart. So you can think too little of Zacchaeus and then you can think too little of Jesus and then also you can have too little a response to all of it. (laughs) Did you notice how much Zacchaeus gave? (laughs) It was amazing. 50%. 50%. 50%. That's a lot of money. 50% of his wealth. He just gives it away on the spot. It was transformational. Changed his entire life. 50%. So now some of you are saying, well, how much actually was it? I don't know. Luke doesn't tell you. Yeah, Luke's like, I'm not going to tell you. You guys want to know how much it was? I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> it's, what he does is he gives you proportion. 
because that's the true measure of your heart. There are an awful lot of Christians who are putting money in the plate and they're thinking, this is a lot of money. And it's really not. Not for them. They're actually being completely stingy. See, proportion of what you give is the true measure of your heart. And Zacchaeus gives 50%. Now, think about that for a second. That is 40% more than law. Right? Old Testament law said 10%. You got to give 10% right off the top. You give 10% to God. That's it. 10%. Boom. Zacchaeus says, I'm going to do 40% more. 50% to God. Boom. Done. It's way past law. Then he says, then he says, I'm going to give, I'm going to give, Old Testament law says 20% for what you've stolen, right? 20%. Zacchaeus gives 300% interest on what he'd stolen. 300%. He is way past law. Why is that? He got it, right? Zacchaeus Got it. Jesus had given him gobs and gobs and gobs and gobs of grace. He wanted to give something back to his Lord. He wanted to give something back that was meaningful. He had been given grace. He was giving back grace-filled amounts. Don't respond with too little. Now, I think, I probably think about these things too much, but in every audience there's probably different audiences within the audience, if you know what I mean. And I figure there's about three different audiences within this audience today. Probably more, but, but at least three, and everybody's kind of on a spectrum. There's audience number one who's responding in this way. Pastor, thank you for the sermon series. You know, the spirit is, is the potter and I'm the clay. Thanks for talking to me about this stuff. It's brave of you. I appreciate it. I need this teaching from Jesus. And, and you know what? I, I'm going to go home and I'm going to think about this, right? I, I, I'm going to start asking different questions than I was before. Not how much do I have to give to make God happy, but instead, how much can I give? How much has Jesus done for me? I, I get it, Pastor. Jesus has to help me with this. Your audience Number one, here's audience number two. There are some of you who, before I ever said a word in this sermon series, were already very, very free with your money. I, I want you to know that there are people at this church like that to be encouraged. There are people in this church who give this church tens of thousands of dollars a year right out of their own pocketbook. Tens, of, I believe it, tens of, I don't see the numbers, but I believe it, tens of thousands of dollars. It's the only way we'd have offerings like we do. There are people here who are doing that. And you know what? They're happy to do it. And if I tried to guess who they were, they'd be upset at me because they don't want you to know. <laughs> they really don't. They're happy to do it. They're sitting there and they're saying to themselves, I'm happy to give this money. You know what? Jesus had to work really hard to save me and change my life and change my heart. I'm happy to do it. I've been preaching this sermon series and you're already doing it. You started at 10%. You're at 20. 
because you've made different decisions, right? You've said, I'm going to take cheaper vacations. I'm going to live in a smaller house. I'm going to drive a less nice car. I don't have to have everything. I want to give some of it away. Some of you are doing that. That's audience number two. And then there's audience number three. This is an audience who maybe decided before this sermon series ever started, I'm not going to change. I'm going to listen to this. I'm not going to change. I've made my decisions about how, not, how much I'm going to give. Jesus is going to impact me. I've made my decisions. And you know what? I know you guys. You don't want to be that way. I don't believe that about you. I think that you have tension in your heart over this. I think you want to do better for Jesus. I really do. You are living proof, and you know it, that the wallet is the last thing about a human being to convert. You don't want to be that way. But there it is. I got two things to say to you. Number one, doesn't that show you how much salvation you actually need? Doesn't that show you how much a grip money has got on your soul? Number two, here's what to do about that. And this is what I'm telling all of you in here to do about that. You ready for it? Climb a tree. <laughs> I mean it. Climb a tree. Get up there in that tree and you get a better view of Jesus. Climb the tree. <laughs> Do not stop climbing until you are 40 foot high in a sycamore fig tree if you have to be. Climb a tree and get a view of Jesus. And I'm telling you to do that because of what you see when you look. Do you know what you're going to see? Jesus is desperate for you. He's desperate for you. You know, everybody was ripping on Jesus for hanging out with Zacchaeus. They're mumbling, they're grumbling, and Jesus said, I don't care about the crowd. I care about you. They shamed him, they rejected him. Jesus saw past the crowd, see? because he was desperate for you. In fact, he, he pre-planned. He pre-planned the whole thing. Did you know that's why he was in Jericho? Jericho's at the foot of the mountains. He had to climb up to Jerusalem. That's what he was going to do next. And do you know why he was climbing up to Jerusalem? Do you know why? See, to climb a tree. And he didn't care. He didn't care what, what people were going to say about him while he was up there. He didn't care that they were going to despise him and reject him while he was up there. He didn't care. He was going to be Zacchaeus for all of us, despised and rejected so that we can be welcomed in to the home of God. He climbed a tree so that he could stand today at the foot of your tree, shake it a little bit. See, look up at you and say the greatest words this world has ever known. I came to seek and to save the lost, and that lost is you. Salvation has come to this house today.
praise him in your heart. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending us your son, Jesus. We see in him a savior, a son of man who would climb a tree for us, be despised and rejected, even though it should have been us who was despised and rejected so that salvation could be ours. I praise you for that, Jesus, and and I pray that all of us would come to know it better, that all of us would find a way to climb trees of our own and, and get the clearest sight of Jesus that we possibly can. I pray this in your great name, Jesus. Amen.